Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Morning, everybody. Today we're going to close out our series, Your Work Matters to God, with a message titled, When You Feel Like Giving Up. Have you ever had a day or week or season where it feels like nothing's going right and you just want to throw in the towel? We've all been there. You know there's no such thing as a problem-free job, no such thing as problem-free parenting, no such thing as a problem-free life. Everyone around us is facing problems, oftentimes much deeper than we might realize or be able to see on the surface. You know, you're either uh, just coming out of a problem in life, you're in the middle of one, or you're going into a new one. And life is often uh, a string of problems, one after another. And the danger is, if you don't give your life back to God, and this is, uh, I mean, the warning that I love giving people, because if you don't give your life back to God and live for God, it, it, you will live for something, and everyone's living for something, and uh, it's just too bad that many people get to the end of their life, and they live their life for their problems, and all they did in their life was solve problems, and they lived in there and died for the problems of this world, and it can be discouraging. This letter was sent to a pastor several years ago, and it's just stuck with me. It's still so relevant today. This person writes, if I could sum up my life in a single word, it would be conflict. It seems I have to fight for everything. Everything is a battle. I battle with my kids. I battle with my husband. I battle with my job. It's even tough with my walk with the Lord. We struggle. We struggle with our money. We struggle with our intimate life. We struggle even just understanding each other. Plus, I've got my, all my internal struggles, all my internal fears and battles. I just can't seem to stick with stuff even when I know it's the right thing to do. Why is life so tough? Will the battle ever end? I really hope so because I just feel like walking away from it all. Why is life so tough? The source of all the problems in the world come from when sin entered the world. And we've talked about this many times, that nothing is working right. Everything is broken on this planet, broken by sin. The weather is broken uh, by sin. That's why we have all these weird catastrophes and hurricanes and the economy is broken and our bodies are broken and relationships are broken. Nothing is perfect on this planet except the truth of God's word. It's the only perfect thing. And God said when Adam and Eve got kicked out of paradise, it's going to be hard, it's going to be broken, and that's why we, pray, we are to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, because in heaven God's will is done perfectly, but we choose to do our own will. In addition to the fall of sin, there's a, co- a cosmic battle going on, forces working against you. The Bible calls these forces the, the world, the flesh, and the devil, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The flesh, there's a battle on the inside. Have, have you ever uh, known something was wrong, but done it anyway? Have you ever known something would be self-destructive, 
but done it anyway? Yes, we all have. That's the flesh battle we're in. There's a battle around us. That's the world, the pressures, the temptations, the distractions. But then there's a battle working against you. And that is the enemy. That is Satan. There is real good, real evil in the world. And Satan is behind the evil in the world. So there's a war going on in our life. And that's why everything is hard. Everything is a battle. Now there's a group of men and women in the Bible that God calls his heroes of the faith who didn't give up and they made it through to the end in this battle. And they're in the, they're in the scriptures for us to learn from. Uh, this message today, I believe you need these verses, this message in your life right now. I believe this message is coming to you and to our church at just the right time and God has appointed this time for you to hear his word. And we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11 today. And Hebrews chapter 11, you may be familiar with it. It starts out as God's hall of fame of faith. These people, these are the ones who their numbers are retired, their names are up in the ring of honor, and they finish the race of their life well. Names you would know, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, uh, and many others. My small group's currently learning from David right now, and it's very powerful learning from the life of David and how he ran his race and how he finished the race. But then at the end of the chapter of Hebrews 11, and many people believe that the book of Hebrews, by the way, in the New Testament in your Bible, uh, is a sermon that was transcribed. I think that's maybe why I like the book of Hebrews so much. Uh, But when you look at it, it, it reads much more like a sermon that was preached rather than a letter that was written to someone. And the, the preacher is coming to the end and explaining, okay, all these great people, the names I just mentioned, let's go to verse 32. The, the preacher says, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount. And so he doesn't break down each one of these people. He just mentions them. The stories of faith of Gideon and Barak Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women receive their loved ones back again from death. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be free. So after explaining all these great people of faith, uh, talking about the hard times they went through, then he starts talking about people that didn't get what they wanted. Like here are some who, man, the, the lion's mouth was shut and they survived the flames, and they experienced healing in their life, and death was conquered. But others did the right thing. They refused to turn away from God, and those things didn't happen in their life. Like, they, they were fed over to the lions. The victory, they didn't see victory on, on this side in their life. And what we'll see here is many were martyrs. They were actually killed for their faith, which is still happening today. Did you know that Christians are the most persecuted group in the world? 
And that's widely agreed on by Christians, atheists, other religions across the globe of people who study this. Tens of thousands of Christians are killed each year simply because of their faith, because they believe in Christ. And uh, hundreds of thousands, millions at times are persecuted in some way or another. That's one reason as a church we pray for the persecuted. In fact, I hope November 5th and 6th, the first weekend of November, uh, that Sunday is International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. And so I hope you'll join us. That, that's one, uh, one of the weekends each year that I ask our whole church to be here in person as one of our themes is praying for the persecuted and standing with them. So I hope you can be there that weekend. This is also why we partner with an organization called Voice of the Martyrs who works to encourage and empower Christians. They provide practical relief for uh, families, supporting families of Christian martyrs or supporting and helping Christians who are in prison or facing many different things. We got this note from Voice of the Martyrs recently uh, after a gift our, our church had given them. It says, thank you for your gift to Voice of the Martyrs and for coming alongside us for many years in meeting the needs of our persecuted brothers and sisters. May God bless your kindness. Please let me know if there's anything we can Anything we could be praying for, we love lifting our partners up in prayer. Peace and blessings to you today, Voice of the Martyrs. So I pass that on to you because it's our giving together that makes this happen. So it goes on, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning, some were sawed in half, and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world. I'd like for God to be able to say that about you and me, uh, that because they placed their hope in the resurrection, in life, that they were too good for this world. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, meaning that God was pleased with them, it inspired other believers. Yet, watch this, none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us, so that they would not reach perfection without us. Now, what does that mean? Let's just pause and look at this for a minute before we go to the next part of this text. Uh, this passage teaches ver three very profound truths. The first is, if you're taking notes, faith does not spare us from all pain. You can be doing the right thing and suffer for it or be in pain. And sometimes we suffer for doing good or refusing to turn from God, for refusing to turn from God. A right thing. And the heroes of the faith that it's listing out and talking about here went through hard times. Another thing we can learn from this is some of God's promises will be fulfilled in eternity. We think all of God's promises have to be fulfilled while we're here on earth right now. But we're going to live far longer than just here on earth. You're going to live for eternity. And God has all of eternity to fulfill his promises. Just because a promise isn't fulfilled right 
now doesn't mean that God's not going to do it. You know, sometimes, if you're a parent, you know this, a, a, a kid will ask for something, and your response, you tell them, yes, we'll do that, but later. And by their response, you would have thought you just said no to them. And part of growing up is learning that a delay is not a denial. And the same thing is growing in our faith and growing in our faith in the promises of God that some of God's promises to you and to me will be fulfilled in eternity. And a delay is not a denial. Then the third thing it says that these heroes of the faith, all the people that came before us in faith, that they can't receive their prize until we finish the race. And the Bible is saying that we are runners in a historical relay race. That God is raising up people that are going to be part of his family for eternity. And there have been generations before us who ran the race. And they passed on the baton to us. And now we're running our lap and we'll pass off our baton to the next generation and they're going to run their part of the race. And God has for them, they'll pass off to another and it'll be passed off and passed off again, this baton, until Christ returns. And the race isn't won, the race isn't finished until that last runner hits the finish line. Can you imagine being at the Olympics and there is a, uh, let's say a 400 meter relay race. And there's four runners and the first runner runs and passes their baton to you. You're the second runner, and you run, and you pass the baton off to the next person, and that person's got to run, and the person after them has got to run, but then you start walking across the field to the podium, and you step up on the podium and say, time for the, time for the medal, time for the prize. Everyone would be like, watch, the race is still going. It's, it's not finished it's not done and you say well my part I ran my race my part is over we are part of a big relay race and the reward is not coming until the whole race is done and all the people who've gone before don't reach perfection without us they finish their part but they're waiting for the reward until the final thing is done and we don't reach perfection without the next then you get the gold. Then there's a great inheritance for God's holy people. So therefore, so in light of those points and this being a relay race and the suffering we might face in life, in, life, in light of all those things and in light of all these great people of faith, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle 
against sin. In other words, uh, you haven't died, you're no martyr to this point. You've not shed your blood for your faith. So this passage of scripture says, well, how do you keep from giving up then? And it gives us six powerful keys on how to keep on going when you feel like giving up. And if you have been discouraged, you picked a good weekend uh, to go to church or to listen to this podcast if you're listening uh, later this week. What do I do when I feel like giving up? I need to do the six things that are covered in, in the, the therefore. In light of all this, what do I do? The first thing I need to do, if you're taking notes, is I need to remember that heaven is for me. It's the very first thing that uh, this preacher or writer of Hebrews tells us that when you need encouragement, when you're, when you're trying not to give up, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness. And so the preacher is giving this kind of figurative representation saying that we ought to act as if all the people who endured the same trials we face were insight and cheering us on to the same victory in the life of faith that they obtained. That we're to be inspired by the godly examples that these heroes met, that they are witnesses to the fact that God comes through. And this great cloud indicates that millions and millions of believers who have gone before us can say, yes, I've been through that. And God is faithful. And God is faithful. And they had their own failures, but they're, they're cheering us on. Friend, heaven is not against you. Heaven is for you. Jesus is not your greatest critic. Jesus is your greatest encourager. The angels are not sabotaging you. They're preserving you. God is not conspiring against you. All things are not conspiring against you. All things are working together for your good. The second thing when I feel like giving up is number two, I must eliminate what doesn't matter. If I want to make it to the end of the race, I've got to do a little decluttering. Uh, Physically, and spiritually. You know, a cruise liner out in the water can go a certain speed. But if that cruise liner is tugging behind it a hundred lifeboats, it's going to limit what that ship can do. If you have a, a, a backup battery generator, a backup battery, if you plug one light bulb into it, it, it the battery's going to last a long time. If you plug 15 light bulbs into it, it's going to last less time. If you plug 100 light bulbs into that battery, it's going to drain it rather quickly. And this is what the Bible says in the second part of the verse. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Here we have weights and we have sins. Weight and sin. What, what are the weights? These are the things that, they may not be sin, but they've got to, they're slowing us down, and we've got to cast them off to be able to say, you know what, I'm not going to let that slow me down in my walk with God anymore. I'm not going to let that hinder me in my mission. You know, some things, they even may be good things, but they're not to be done just because they're good, and they may be slowing you down from the race that God is calling you to run. I remember, uh, I think of uh, when I 
ran track in middle school, track and cross country, uh, my mom got me these uh, ankle weights. And she, when I would practice or just run, I would wear these weights. And uh, she'd go, I don't know if they'll make you faster, but they make you feel faster when you take them off. And uh, I had a friend who would also wear ankle weights when he would run. And he'd like bring them to practice. And just anytime he was training, he'd be wearing the ankle weights. Well, one day we go out for a race. And like, this is the real thing. This is the day. We're at the race. And uh, he, we're lined up. And we're in our stance, ready to go, you know. And the coach looks over. And my friend has his ankle weights on. And the coach goes, hey, take your weights off. It's the real thing. Like, this is a real race. Like, you're not getting it. You're not connecting it. And sometimes I think of that coach, like, as your pastor, I just want to say, like, hey, take the weights off. Like, this is the real thing. Like, now's the time. Like, we're running the race. And the addiction, you've, like, thought, you know, I really need to deal with that. The habit you've really wanted to change the thing that God's been pulling on you to to let go of this and to start doing this like now's the time we're not waiting for anything right now that this is the race it's the real thing so we lay aside every weight but especially the sins that so easily trip us up and friend if you harbor unconfessed sin in your life that will hold you back that will discourage you it'll make you want to give up if if you refuse to for give a person if you harbor anger in your heart you're going to be discouraged going to refuse to give up what what is sin sin is knowing what to do but not doing it it's a pretty broad convicting definition where am i getting that it's from james 4 17 says anyone then that knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins so when my conscience Uh, the Holy Spirit speaks to your conscience to do one thing you don't do it when scripture says to do one thing we don't do it this this preacher in Hebrews is saying you gotta you gotta cast off strip off every weight, every sin so what do I do first I've got to remember all right I'm not the first to go through this and and there's a lineage of faith of people that God brought them through and was faithful next I've got to eliminate the things that hold me back Thirdly, when I feel like giving up, I've got to run God's race for me, not others' race. Notice that I'm not supposed to run the race that others have set before me. Uh, Not to run the race that culture has set before me. Not to run the race that government or a political party has set before me. Not to run the race that my parents have set before me. Listen to this now. I'm not even to run the race that I've set for myself. Like you're not to run the race that you've set for yourself. We're to run the race that God has set. Hebrews 12.1, third part of this verse. And let us run with endurance. That's what we're talking about today. The race God has set before us. God doesn't give you the strength and endurance to run someone else's race. He gives you the strength and endurance to run the race he sets before you. How do I do that? How, how can I do that? Uh, it, it comes from living out a relationship with God by continually submitting your will uh, to His. And God's saying, your will be done in my life. One thing that we believe at Rockbrook is extremely helpful in running the race God has set before you is knowing your shape. 
And if you've forgotten what your shape is, you can go back through step three of the growth track next Sunday afternoon and we'll help answer the questions, what am I gifted to do? What do I love to do? What am I talented to do? What does my personality fit with? What are my experiences, good and bad? And that can help you to be thinking continually about what is the race God is setting before us. A fourth thing I can do when I feel like giving up is focus on Jesus, not my circumstance. If you focus on your circumstances, uh, there is more than enough discouragement to go around then. It's when we focus on our circumstances that uh, we feel like throwing in the towel when we feel like we cannot hold on. I need to focus on my Savior, not the situation. I need to focus on my provider, not my problem. Hebrews 12, 2. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. I don't know what you're going through right now, but if you have your eyes only on the problem, you will see a lot of discouragement. It will be hard to focus. And it's no wonder that you may feel like giving up. But if you've got your eyes focused on God, on Jesus, the Savior, You have your eyes focused on the solution then, not the situation, and he will help you out. What do you do? How do you keep your eyes on Jesus? This is why you worship. This is why worship is so valuable, because in worship, you remember what God has done for you. In worship, you remember God's goodness to you in the past, and in worship, you feel, you sense, you remember his presence in your life right now, and it is through worship that you see God's power for the future, and you see a way where there was no way before. This is why worship is so valuable in your life, and you might say, well, I don't feel like worshiping. That's part of the problem. I feel like giving up. Or you would say, well, I'm feeling like giving up on my faith. Of course, I don't feel like worshiping right now. And this is why scripture would call it a sacrifice of praise. That I bring a sacrifice of praise because I don't feel it, but that's exactly what I need to feel it. And you bring your sacrifice of praise, you bring your worship to God, and you remember what he's done for you. You know his presence right now in the present And you see the power to move forward. You focus on Jesus. Get your mind off the circumstance. Get your mind on Christ. Number five, what do we do when you feel like giving up? You minimize the pain and you maximize the future reward. You minimize the pain and you maximize the future reward. There's always always pain when you endure. There's always pain when you feel like giving up but you push forward anyway. There is pain in getting in shape. There's pain in getting in physical shape. There's pain in getting in spiritual shape. There's pain in getting your finances under control. There's pain in getting out of debt. There's pain in anything that works in life and matters in life. But when you look at the long term, when you look at the reward, you minimize the current pain. You maximize the profit. Uh, Part B of this verse. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. How did Jesus make it through the cross? What kept Jesus from saying, well, that's shameful. That's horrible. I'm above that. I don't want to go through that pain. What kept him 
to endure through it. He wasn't looking at the cross. He was looking at the throne. His eyes were focused on what's on the other side. He's looking through the benefit of the salvation of people to come. That's redemptive pain. And we've got to look past any short-term thinking that we have in our life to make it through a difficult period. If you want to give up on the marriage, if you want to give up on the job, if you want to give up on the diet, on the job search, on adopting a baby, on, on your faith, on whatever God is leading you to do, you've got to minimize the current pain, look past it, and talk about the eventual profit. Like, if you're working to get out of debt right now, I would encourage you, make, sure, make it a discipline that you talk about continually what it will be like when we get through this. Don't just talk about the pain and the payments and all the thing. Continually talk about, yes, but it will look like this. Keep your eyes not on the cross, but on the throne. <laughs> if you're going through a, a pain in your marriage right now, don't just talk about the hurt. Don't just talk about the wound. Don't just talk about the present situation. Talk about what it'll be like, the testimony it will be when you make it through to the other side. The Apostle Paul was great at this. This is why... The Apostle Paul called his problems light and momentary. Now, if I'd been in, thrown in jail as many times as he had and been whipped and beaten and shipwrecked, I would call that a disaster. He says, ah, that's light and momentary. Why? Because of the future reward. He's not looking at the problem. He's looking at what's on the other side. You minimize the difficulty in your life. You maximize the reward, eternal life that cannot be taken away from you. Once you are given eternal life, it cannot be taken away from you. And I don't know if you've ever been to the beach, but if you've spent a day at the beach, uh, you've discovered the power of the tide. The tide goes out, and when the tide goes out, it's pretty ugly. There's driftwood, there's trash, uh, if there were boats there, oftentimes they go down as you have boats just laying on the beach. Uh, it, it's pretty ugly. It's nothing to look at. It's not something you would travel across the country to go see. But if you've spent a day or multiple days at the beach, you know what you've learned? The tide always comes back in. The tide may be out in your life right now. You're out of work or uh, you're out of money or you're out of hope or you're out of energy Friend, the tide always comes back in. The tide always comes back in. And God, eternity cannot be taken from you. If it doesn't come back in this life, it will come back in the next. And it will be glorious. And you've got to keep your eyes on the tide coming back in. There's one other thing that will help you hold on. And that is when you feel like giving up, think about what Jesus went through. When you're going through a tough time, you remember the tough times that Jesus went through. And you think about what he did on your behalf and the suffering that he went through. And you think of all that he endured for me, for, me, for you, the attacks, the criticism. Oftentimes when we're going through a tough time, we think, well, why would God let me go through this? But we think about what Jesus went through, God himself. We think about the abuse, the cruelty, the meanness, the torture, the painful death that Jesus went through, what he did for us. Verses three through four, 
Say, think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. The question is, will will I trust God even when I don't feel like doing it? Will I work hard even when I don't see the reward? Will you endure to your finish line? Will we finish well or will we stop in the middle of the race and walk back to the sideline? I want to close today with just this question of what step of faith do I need to see through? I don't know what it is for you, but what do you need to finish that you started? What commitments have you made that you need to complete? What, what commitment have you made that you need to see through? Maybe you have intended to be baptized, but you've never yet been baptized. Complete that commitment. We'll do, we're doing baptisms next weekend. We can help you complete that commitment. Maybe you've made a decision to give, but you haven't seen it through, and so you haven't seen the, the fruit and the reward of it. Maybe you started a Celebrate Recovery step study, but you didn't complete it. Uh, maybe you've been hearing us talk about getting connected to a small group or leading a small group. Maybe you've heard that for months or maybe years, but you're still not in a group. What, what step of faith do you need to see through? And I really don't know what that could be for you. But here's what I've found. Is if you go to God and ask, what step of faith do I need to see through? He is faithful to tell you. And so go to God and ask God, what do you want me to see through? What do you want me to finish? I want to finish this message with a couple of verses from a couple chapters earlier in the book of Hebrews. We'll read this and then we'll close in prayer together. It says, "Who do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Let's pray together. Father, you know how easy it is to get discouraged. You know our hearts. You know how easy it is when times get tough, when, when the initial uh, feeling of starting it goes away and we get discouraged and we get distracted and we get doubtful. I pray, Lord, that we will take uh, these steps. Church, would you just pray this with me today in your heart? Say, Lord, help me to remember that heaven is for me. That, God, you're not conspiring against me. You're working all things together. God, help me to remember that there is uh, people who have gone through the same tests, the same trials, and you help them to the finish line. God, help me to eliminate what doesn't matter in my life, to let go of the weights that are slowing me down, to let go of the sins that are holding me back. Pray this to God. Say, God, I want to run the race that you have set before me, not other people's race. I want to be who you made me to be. Help me to not care so much about other people, but to focus on you, Jesus. Not my problems, not my circumstances, not the temporary difficulty, but to keep my eyes set on Christ. Lord, help me to minimize the pain and maximize the reward. To live in faith. To look past 
uh, the light and momentary trouble to see the joy on the other side. Most of all, Jesus, I want to remember what you did for me. God, I would not be alive without you. I would not be saved without you. I would not be healed, headed to heaven without you, working on my behalf, dying in my place, and rising from the dead and giving the promise of eternal life. If you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life, I would encourage you right now, in this time in worship, this time in church, to give your life to Christ, to say, God, come into my life right now. I want to follow you. I want to trust you. I want to live by faith. I want to learn to love you from this day forward. I pray this in Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.